Are you frustrated with your co-parent? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping that you and your co-parent will one day get along better than you even did in your marriage? Or more secretly, wish your co-parent would meet with an untimely or maybe painful demise? (laughs) It's okay. We understand. But I'm afraid that neither of those fantasies are helping you move on with your life. We think this podcast will help you learn how to put those fantasies in the past. In each episode, we address difficult dilemmas that many co-parents face and will help you decide should you hold on to the conflict for the sake of the kids or let it go for the same reason. These issues are often complicated, but the solutions can be easier than you think. So get ready for this unconventional ride. You might be surprised it could change your life. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. I'm Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. How is Rick Voiles today? (laughs) I'm doing really well today. I think it's going to be a good day. I spent a lot of time helping my dad. He is older, and I'm primary caregiver for him at this point. And, you know, I think you've been through this, all the finances, all the doctors, all the transportation. Yes. Yeah, that can uh, be really difficult. You're you're a good son. (laughs) And I'm very blessed. Both of my parents are extremely healthy in their 80s. So I'm very blessed about that. But, well, I'm glad to see you refreshed after dealing with your parents. Speaking of parents, what will we address today? I think we got an email. Yes. Well, we actually have an email from Tiffany in Brunswick, Georgia, not too far away. Ah, Brunswick. That's right across the bridge from where I am. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So she writes, I am frustrated because my kid's stepmom is technically my co-parent instead of their dad. I'm pretty sure she writes all of his emails and texts because he can't spell that well. (laughs) It would be fine if she was friendly co-parent, but mm, she's not. She is very condescending and acts like I'm an idiot. I think she's jealous of me and doesn't want my ex talking to me. So she does all of the communication and transporting the kids. And he's lazy, so he lets her. I don't want to co-parent with her. What should I do? Mm-hmm. Common issue. Yeah. Yeah. We often hear the phrase evil step parent, right? Right. <laughs> and they're not all evil. No. In fact, my kids have an awesome step parent. And so um, the insecure step parent is the one that I think we probably should address today. Yes, because the step-parent communicating could, in some cases, be a blessing. Now, she said she's not, but some would prefer to talk to, and you could get some decent things done. Yeah, I just talked to someone the other day who said, actually, I prefer talking to the step-parent because she's nicer, and we can just talk about the kids, and she doesn't have an old history with me, (laughs) which is good to hear, which means that dad's not interfering. Dad's not saying bad things about mom to the step-parent. He's just sort of letting her do it because he didn't want to. And so I I don't really care if the step-parent is that involved in communicating and transporting. Of course, when it comes to major decision-making, 
you really want that to be with your actual co-parent because right. the step parent is not ordered to do anything typically. True. Right? <laughs> right. So let's talk about this from the point of view of the step parent not being a good parent. Now we don't know this step parent might be a better parent than dad would be. True. Yeah. <laughs> or better that, co-parent. That would be a blessing, although it's but, still bad. Yeah. But mom is not a fan. No. Tiffany is not a fan of the step parent. What are some factors do you think we need to consider before we decide whether Tiffany ought to let this go or or hold on? Well, just the issue of communication. It, in many ways, it just really doesn't matter who you're communicating with. You still have communication dynamics that you want to pay attention to. For example, the courts often expect to have a line of communication available to both parents. They don't necessarily need to know that you're using it all the time, but they hate the wall of silence. So they would prefer communicating. So unless the court order says that dad must be the communicator, and that wouldn't usually end up in a court order unless this was a longstanding problem and a judge got upset about it and said, okay, from now on, stepmom is not allowed to talk to mom. Yes. But that's typically not the case uh, unless the court order says something like that. He can defer to the stepmom. My question would be, would dad be better at communicating? And mm. I like what you said, Rick, about it doesn't matter who you're communicating with. The mechanism that you use to communicate is there for things that you have to inform the other parent of or questions you have to ask. So it's about necessary. Precisely. We're not communicating to build a relationship with the other parent or with the stepmom. We're communicating only to figure out how to get the kids from point A to point B and how to pay for stuff, basically. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Not to tell each other what to do, not to teach them how to co-parent or parent, but simply to exchange information in the best interests of the children. Yes. One of the metaphors that we use often to define, or at least give us a framework for defining the relationship is it's a business type relationship, communicating with a business partner. Now, the business partner may have very poor communication skills, but in order to accomplish the work, like you said, getting the kids from A to B, who's paying for it, all of those details, that's important for the kids. Then we have to have a mechanism of communicating business-wise. Sure. And to be clear, and we've talked about this in our definitions episode, if you are cooperative, And you talk every day on the phone and (laughs) talk about the weather or whatever you do, then you have a good working relationship with your co-parent. That's great. Keep doing that. We're not saying stop doing that. Right. But in Tiffany's case, it sounds like things aren't really great between her and dad and step-parent is put in this position. Now, we also don't know the step-parent want to be in this position Tiffany seems to think so. <laughs> right. We don't know for sure. Maybe step parent is bitter and angry because her husband is making her do this and she doesn't yes. really want to do it. So there's that. I like to see it from all points of view if possible. But I think where I want to pivot with this, and you can help me out here, Rick, is that we really need to talk about a protocol of communication, regardless of who you're talking to. 
regardless. Yes. Right. Right. And to, to make sure that it stays business like. So we want something that doesn't allow too much communication because I don't want to mm-hmm. continually be told I'm an idiot, but enough that is structured for protection mm-hmm. and safety and timed well mm-hmm. so that it's not constant. Right. So let's talk briefly about what we teach parents to do. We call it the email protocol, where we teach parents who are in conflict or who don't have a good cooperative relationship to delimit communication to once a week. Yes. And there's basically one parent sends the other parent an email, let's say on a Sunday night at nine. The other parent has 24 hours to respond to that email. It's very specific in that there are bullet points uh, section for for your information, which allows the parent to give information without worrying about a response because we tell people don't respond to those FYIs. Right. They're yep. FYI, which means I'm not asking you a question. I'm not asking for a response. I'm just letting you know, but we know how important it is that those are friendly and respectful, right? We hope, yes. <laughs> not FYI, I think you're an idiot. And then it's hard not to respond to that. But even then we would say, don't respond. Don't respond. No. And then the requested response section where I can't do my parenting time appropriately unless you answer this question for me, such as, please let me know what time you'll be here to pick up Johnny. You said it wouldn't be at the regular time and I need to know what time that is, whatever. So we actually put them into this very structured way of communicating Within 24 hours, the other parent responds back in bullet points with two sections, and then they literally don't have to talk anymore. And if Tiffany started doing this, even with the step parent, she wouldn't have to be fielding all the texts that are condescending, the multiple emails that seem mean. She can just say, this is how I'm going to do it. Tiffany, you can even say, I listened to this awesome podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And and they said this would be a great way to communicate. And by the way, Tiffany and other listeners, I will put this protocol in our show notes for this show so that you can copy and paste it into an email and say, this is what I want to do from now on and inform her how it works. And then... When she proceeds to email you or text you outside of the protocol, you can just simply say, thank you. I've gotten your communication. I will address this on Sunday night. And what you will find is that you release yourself from having to be in relationship with her, if that's who you believe is communicating with you. And and there could be some freedom. And Quite honestly, if you go into a courtroom and say, this is how I decided I needed to communicate and we did it, or I did it, even though she wouldn't do it, I think you're going to look more sane. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to look like the the co-parent who is trying to make this business-like and not personal. Right. Yeah. And we encourage, well, actually not only encourage, we teach that for high conflict parents, that you put this in your parenting plan under a paragraph on how shall the two adults, two parents communicate with each other. Now you made this phrase to let her know how it works. I think it might be helpful to suggest to Tiffany how to let her know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Since this is going to be in the show notes, one of the things we recommend is yeah. snapshot, take a picture of it, uh, mm-hmm. you text it to her, email it to her. Well, so- I'll put a link 
to okay, the, the Center for Navigating Family Change website. That's the organization that we are a part of that teaches these classes so that she can easily Good. link to the page where it's described. It'll be the language that you can actually pop right into a court order if that's allowable in your jurisdiction. I think the way to tell her is to just say, given that we're both very busy, we both have busy schedules, I would like to limit how much communication goes back and forth between us. And I listened to this podcast or I came across this website where they suggest this email protocol. And I would like to start doing this. Of course, you're not required, but this is how I'm going to be communicating in the future. Just let him or her know. That's what I've decided. And then you can take control of the situation that way. And since you're not ghosting this person or you're not blocking them or saying, I'm not communicating with you anymore, then you're not violating any ordered co-parent. You're saying, I want to limit how we communicate and I want to put in this process. And at least where we do this, our judges are very appreciative (laughs) that we teach this to people because it, it really starts to eliminate all of the emotional going down the rabbit hole of the old marital battle. Yes. <laughs> you, say, you say this, I say that, and it always ends with, I'll see you in court. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what gets your heart pumping. That's what gets your cortisol streaming. That's what gets your stress level up. That's not going to be good for anybody. And it allows you to really move on with your life. Yeah. And it does create that boundary. It is a protocol that in by its very structure communicates a business like Mm -hmm. relationship. And by the way, people that have come back to us and have used this, they just sing its praises because it has given them the space they needed to get their Mm -hmm. life back. get some peace in their life. I had one client that I was a PC and he made the statement. He said, I will do anything not to give up this protocol. Uh, So whatever (laughs) I have to do, this protocol is gold for me. Yes. And keep in mind, both parents don't always like it. No. Typically, when you have a high conflict situation, one parent loves it because they get the freedom. The other parent hates it because they can't control. Yeah. You know, (laughs) And they, they acquiesce to it because we really teach people how to treat us through our behavior, through our boundaries. So they may, when you say, this is what I'm going to do, they may say, well, forget that. I'm not, that's, you know, I'll call my attorney if you're not going to speak to me. Whatever. Okay. And you just have to sort of ignore that because yes. as long as you are communicating on your end, what you are court ordered to communicate and you're doing it friendly and in a respectful way, nobody can fault you for that. And no. of course, we're not talking about emergencies or if your child is in dire need of a doctor that you would say, oh, I'll tell him on Sunday night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and most plans do say that in emergencies, you will let the other parent know immediately. immediately. Right. So for most, I would say 95% of communication that needs to take place can be limited to the Sunday night protocol. And we typically say no texting. Right. What, what, when should someone use text? Only in the emergency. And, and yeah. to be clear, an emergency isn't 
because I see this a lot. Ooh, I forgot the address to the dentist's office that I'm taking the kids to. Can you text it to me? That's not an emergency. <laughs> an emergency. I'll, I'll be glad to talk to you about that Sunday <laughs> during our email protocol. Yeah. Or if you're going to be late and you're stuck in traffic, just as a courtesy, I think a one-line text, hey, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. Traffic is really heavy tonight or whatever. And then they might write back and say, you're always late. You no good, blah, blah, blah. To which you just don't respond. Don't respond. (laughs) It's not very business-like. Yeah, right. The other advantage to this, you have permission to not respond to all of those nasty emails and phone calls and voicemails and texts in the middle of the week. Because you've promised that you will address it in the line of communication that you have open. So you have the benefit of both. You get to limit what you deal with, but you do have to communicate structured. Sure. And if you're a new listener and you've not listened to our podcast on how to respond to a narcissist, go back and listen to that because we give you many phrases for how to respond to nasty communication, saying noted, duly yes. noted. Yes, phrases, mantras. I've, yes. I've noted your communication and I will respond on Sunday evening in the regular email protocol or whatever. Right. Also, it's important probably to say with regard to boundaries, if that's a problem for you and you're still working on healthy boundaries, that if you're going to do this protocol, Make sure you're prepared to hold that boundary. Yeah. Because if you say you're going to do it and then he or she pulls you away from it and you start doing the communication as usual, you're going to find that they don't really believe you that you're going to hold your ground and they'll enjoy getting you off that boundary. So excellent point. Yes. Wait until you're ready to hold it. And if you're not quite ready, I understand Maybe that's a therapy issue for you to figure out how to hold the boundary, but don't declare this and then not follow through. Because again, you teach people how to treat you and they'll respect the boundary if you hold it. They'll disrespect the boundary if you can't hold it. Yes. Very, very good point. Now, when it comes to holding on or letting go, I think what we consistently do is we say, not only should you hold on or let go, but we try to give some advice of how to do that. So Mm -hmm. what are we telling her? Are we telling her to let go of something or hold on? I think I'm telling her to let go of thinking you can control which one of them communicates with you because she Uh ended her email with what should I do? Yes. I think she was asking, how do I get dad to be the communicator and not her? Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. And I think she needs to let that one go because I agree. you are not going to influence that. I don't think if that's a dynamic in their marriage, or if she is jealous, like you say, if he is lazy, like you say, whatever the dynamics are, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. True. So holding on would be trying to fix that or taking him back to court to say, I want the court to to declare she's not allowed to talk to me and talk to your attorney about that. I'm not sure that would be in your best interest, but that's always an option. So again, we're giving her something to do. Yes, It might not resolve the question of how do I get dad to be my communicator? Yeah, I guess we could say it won't solve her problem, but it could minimize her frustration. Exactly. 
And, and I think it will solve her problem eventually in that having communication to where she doesn't have to respond to the condescending and mean anymore. Yes. Yep. And eventually, I don't know, most people that are after getting a response for condescension and mean, if you stop responding, you stop rewarding. Yeah. And eventually they'll tire, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, well and stop doing that. However, you don't do what we're saying in order to change their behavior. True. Because some people are relentless. Doesn't matter how nice you are, they're going to be mean anyway. Yep. They don't need the reward. They just get the reward by being mean. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. So this isn't about you changing their behavior. It's about you minimizing your own frustration and and having the confidence to walk away. Because think of it this way. Every time you re-engage and defend against mean or condescending words, you are tearing down your self-esteem yourself a little bit more because you're re-engaging. You're giving it credence. You're defending yourself. You're saying, wait, 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 that's not who I am. And just saying those things, whether in writing or out loud, kind of wears away at how you feel about yourself. So we're also giving you a way to not engage so you can continue on your path of growth toward a better self-esteem. Excellent. I like it. Okay. I don't think we have anything on the agenda yet for next episode, which means we need some more callers. Yes. So call one, two, three, four, Dilemma. You can also pose questions on our Facebook group, which is the non-impossibles. So go on Facebook and look up our group. That's also where you can take issue with what we say. You can argue with us. You can give us your feedback. You can tell us a story. That's really where I want to be able to have some post-discussion after the episode is over. Yeah. And while you have sent something in, thank you. And just keep sending us stuff to talk about. Exactly. It's never ending, isn't it, Rick? Oh, indeed. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we will talk to you again next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.